following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Good morning. Good, good to see you all. Um, let's bow our hearts and let's uh, open this the way we should in uh, just total supplication to the Lord right now. Uh, we need him so desperately. Um, Lord, I just, um, I don't have much. I'm like that that boy um, who just gives his five loaves and two fish. It's enough to feed myself and a few others. Um, but putting it into your hands, uh, you can feed a multitude of 5,000 people um, because it's your power that can do it. I have no power in and of myself. Um, just your word, and um, your word is what is powerful. God, we um, we pray you'll prepare the soil of our hearts. I know that my own soil um, needs every word um, out of this message today, and uh, we just submit ourselves to you in utter dependence um, that you'll make much of it because um, you you are able. You are able to do the magnitude of our request. And so we just, uh, we give you this hour in Jesus' precious and mighty name. Amen. Amen. So there is in this text um, a lot of moving parts. Um, There's a lot of layers. And I'm going to have to unpackage uh, these layers today. And um, I want to start just by a really wonderful understanding in light of his word, in light of what he's done in my life. And I know this is the blessing, is looking out at just the different faces of people I know, uh, family, brother and sisters. And I know some of your stories and what God has done in your life. Um, and so it's a blessing for me to see your precious faces and, and the testimonies that are represented here this morning. Um, and there are... Um, there are eight beautiful words um, that have been on my heart for a couple weeks. And it's, uh, I once was blind, but now I see. And um, what a beautiful reminder that is, that beautiful psalm, Amazing Grace, of how he can transform the heart. The, the guy, the man who wrote that psalm um, had his heart transformed as a slave trader that drove the ships uh, of slaves to uh, from Africa. Um, and uh, his heart was radically transformed. He once was blind, but now he sees. Um, and he became an abolitionist. Um, so I root that in this right now. Um, I also root it in the understanding that um, God gives us a fresh new perspective on how we ought to live life now. He also gives us a new understanding as to, in our former life, how we don't want to live like that anymore. And um, then there's a progressive understanding that I appreciate uh, from his word of what he's doing, the growth in our lives today, and what he wants to do tomorrow and in the future. Um, So I do want to carefully, because there's a lot of of moving parts here um, in this text, I want to build a foundation. 
And I was doing study in Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 24, and Luke 8, 18. And these are parallel passages. And they both had the same uh, foundation. Now in Luke, uh, Luke is actually going to conclude um, the passage. So I'm actually kind of going uh, to the last page, so to speak, of, a, of the book. Um, and, and spoiler alert, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to build the foundation based on the, the conclusion we should draw from this parable that we're going to cover now. Um, but the foundation is important and it comes from the Greek and the title of my sermon today comes from the Greek understanding of these two parallel passages in Mark four and Luke eight. And it's, uh, the, the title is take care of how you listen. Take care of how you listen. Um, and the Greek is going to be um, two, two verbs and a participle. And the Greek is belimite te akutate. And that sounds really fancy, but it is powerful. And I, I'm not sharing it to be, um, to be, power, or to be uh, fancy. I'm, I'm sharing it to be practical um, because it's powerful. Um, these two uh, verbs, it, it first means to see. Belitmate means to see. Um, it is in the physical sense of sight that, that you can physically see with your eyes. It also means our perceptions. So the things that in light of our sight, we can, we can perceive around us because we have those sensories uh, of being able to, to have our perception clear and understanding. It also deals with, with the mind. Um, which is your mental functioning, how our minds work. There's a, there is a connection between your, your mind and your heart, and, and, and uh, it's distinctive. So it's emphasizing really the whole part of you, from, your head to your, from the top of your head to the tip of your toes, your physiology, your whole being, is to be understanding, to see. Now, when you are, are born again, brought into his family, God gives you those eyes to see. Um, you have a testimony. Many of you understand that uh, that you can see differently than you saw before. You began to start seeing things differently than how you saw before. Your former life, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Tiakuta uh, te means to be, T just means what um, or who. Akudate means to be understanding what. So it means it's connecting your being able to see and your being able, being able to understand what, uh, what you are seeing. And, and it's really important that from God's word, we're able to understand his word, but we're also able to perceive and to see and to understand the world in which we live. Okay, um, man, because if you don't, that world is probably going to creep into your heart. And you're not going to be able to see things through the word and the understanding of God's word. And so it is so important. It's fundamentally important. It's the foundation for everything that we understand uh, are, are going to come to understand in this passage. We have got to be people of seeing and understanding. Um, God is giving us these abilities. I tripped over my dog last night in the dark. Um, I had to get up in the middle of the night and I can't see in the dark. I didn't want to turn on the light. And I literally kicked and tripped over the dog. Dog's just thinking like the holidays are coming. I'm getting him night vision, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> uh, 
I, I have done that so many times. I, I have it walking down the hall or something I can't see, I can't perceive, I can't understand. I think I understand, you know, where things are in the dark, but I don't have full vision. And, and I have tripped over that poor dog uh, way too many times. Um, but, but there's a lot of truth to that. Don't live in the darkness, people. If you are born again, if he's given you understanding and sight, how, how can we live in darkness? Uh, like, how can you choose to not turn on the light of his word? It's right here in our hands. It's available to us today. Um, so this is a foundation upon which I want to build uh, for this parable. The, in this parable, the good seed is the word of God. Friends, don't you love this good book that he's given us and his spirit with, that resides within us? They, our, the spirit of God teaches us too. So we're not left um, with with just uh, shallow and bad soil, and you know uh, we're not left empty-handed. So um, I'm also by the end of this sermon, I want to unpackage really how how throughout this sermon that we can be good listeners, good hearers, that we can hear and see as God intends us to. Um, so that's what I really want to carefully try to attempt to address um, as some of the many moving parts. Um, good spiritual listeners, they do four of, of these things. They listen obediently. They follow God's word. They, they are doers of his word. They listen appreciatively. We appreciate and are grateful what God has given in, in his word. We listen dependently. The whole reason I, I began in prayer, I got nothing for you if I don't have his spirit. I can't do nothing. I'm, you know, I'm scared out of my mind sometimes when, up here. Like this is not the place to want to be up here. <laughs> it, it's, it's a scary, uh, scary place to be. Um, if, if you don't have really his words in your heart, um, and, and, uh, there's fear and trepidation with that. And we are to listen confidently now that once we are people of understanding, we don't have to doubt, we don't have to worry about what God has already said. So those are four really important things. Now, Jesus gives a parable. There's really kind of three, three basic reasons that Jesus spoke in parables, um, it was easy to understand, easy for the audience to understand the analogy, the long uh, story. Uh, the second was that, you know, um, he, he gave some parables that were kind of not really easy to understand sometimes. And so, you know, you might go home from the multitude talking to your wife or your spouse and saying, what, what did that mean? Like when you said this or that. So you start grappling and you're maybe... Um, uh, there's dialogue about it with those you know. It could be like water water cooler office talk. You know, they were grappling with some of the parables that Jesus had um, given them. They're, what I'm saying is they're thinking about the parable beyond just the listening to it right here, right now. And I pray really too that, you know, not my words, but throughout this week that you'll be grappling with some of the things that I said. Uh, through his word, what his word says. Don't don't just like dismiss what was said in this hour. Be thinking about it. Meditate on scripture and his word. Um, and the third thing was really um, like a good teacher when you give a test, 
the, the parable that Jesus gave, it showed really who understood and who didn't. Um, it separated uh, it separated people from people of understanding and people that didn't have they they didn't have eyes to see. So that's the basis for much of what was said. And uh, I'm a man that believes that God's word speaks. Um, it speaks very clearly to our hearts. Um, I love the sign outside the the door of the church that says you are now entering into your missions field. And so as we approach this text, uh, we're going to begin with the sower who is Christ. He is the ultimate sower of the seed. And um, I'm I'm a person of of um, my understanding of the sower. The goal of the sower is simple. You have a bucket of soil or of seed, and it's to get rid of the seed, to spread it. This church or any church or any believer were never to be a storage unit of his seed. We're not to be a storehouse, uh, like to, to just store the seed. Come over here, guys. We got the seed. You know, come on by. No, we're to go out from here and we're to spread his seed. And, and, and we're not to just contain the seed here, but to really to spread it, to spread it. This, this storehouse should be empty every day. So that's the goal, in my opinion, is really to empty the seed. You go to bed and that's, the seed's all gone and you're, and you're happy. Mission accomplished. You faithfully spread the seed is my perspective. As to uh, Luke 8, verse 5, is to sow the seed. That's the job we've been called to do. It's a command. Uh, we need more laborers. You know, um, I don't want you to have a, a glass half empty kind of view on on just the Christian walk or what God's doing in our world. It says, as a matter of fact, it's glass half full. It says that the the harvest is ripe. It's ripe. It's ready for harvest. Uh, I love even the timing. It wasn't planned, but this sermon is just a week before Thanksgiving. You know, the harvest is here, you know, um, and um, it's just an amazing thing of just that God, God wants, God wants fruit and, and there is fruit. We just have to go and, and uh, pull out our shears. Now, the first element <clears throat> in this passage is, Luke uh, chapter 8, verse 5, it says that the, it, um, it's the hard beaten paths. It's the soil that is hard hearted. Um, there's an old saying, and it says that the same sun that melts the wax, it hardens the clay. And uh, heat, heat can, can be both a, a source of a moisture or melting, um, but if left, you know, too long, um, the, that that uh, soil can harden too, and the the sun does both. Um, so how is all of this possible? Um, because we, uh, I want to um, just speak a little bit about the hard heart. Um, the hard heart um, is that that hardness, like being obstinate. Um, it can be being even religious. It's not necessarily the biker dude with the leather jacket with the foul mouth. 
that's not necessarily the guy that you're thinking of. It can actually be the church-going, uh, white-collared uh, guy who's always in church, too. Um, it can be uh, sometimes our heart is hard because we listen and we're under good teaching, but we're not doing what what his word says. And that is, um, that's really difficult, too. So how can a hard heart harden? Um, if you're a religious person, I believe because you can sit in a church all you want, but if you don't do what um, God says you're to be doing, um, you're well on your way to becoming a hard religious person. Because this is where God can speak, but it doesn't change our life. Um, we don't allow it to to take full form and fruition. Um, where God is at work in others, but he's not at work in your own life. Um, where we can be among a lot of religious people, but we're playing kind of the Pharisee, or the, the hypocrite, where that's just the exterior um, role that we're role-playing about who, who we want people to think we are. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to say I don't have all, all everything in my life together. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to stand up here and put on a facade. Um, I don't want you to think that I, I've, that I live a perfect life because that's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, but I'm just encouraging us to not be uh, sort of living up to the nickname of the frozen chosen or the, the chosen frozen. Um, because thank God, though, even in the life of a hard-hearted religious person or even in the in the rebellious prodigal son, um, we know one thing. God can breathe life into dead people. Um, I know I was once that person. Um, Now, uh, I remember one time uh, canvassing, uh, canvassing a town. It was a missions trip. And we went door to door to, like every every house, I mean, we literally covered the whole town. Um, there was a we were launching a church and going door to door and just trying to connect with the people, and let people know that uh, we were in town. Um, the church was starting. It wasn't my church or anything like that. It was uh, somebody else. And uh, <clears throat> we were out probably about eight hours, full day's work, um, connecting with people and. Um, if they weren't home, which most were not, we, we left behind sort of a package, letting them know uh, there was a Bible and um, letting them know about the church. Um, then we, it was the oddest thing. We walked up and there was, uh, down the road, there was this car and it, we we're done for the day. We're, there was a car there and then there was our van, our vans. Um, we walked up to the van, our van, to go home after a hard day's work of canvassing. And there's this lady there, and she just had this big smile on her face. And then we saw at her feet there was our boxes that are that were like but full of what we had just distributed. And we learned quickly that what she had done was, um, and this really, I still shake my head, scratch, scratch my head, can't believe it. She had gone all day long behind us, and and had. Collect, recollected what we had distributed and she just had this you know she just shrugged her shoulders and left like but had this smile on her face and we were just defeated like broken hearted 
So when I, when I see that imagery, though, of the birds that are um, getting the seed and, and picking away, I think of just what, what can happen, like the hardness of a heart. And, you know, I, I have a different perspective, though, now. And it's not about this lady undoing everything we did. Um, I actually wonder if maybe God was doing a work in her. Like maybe that she'll remember what she did. Maybe, maybe like all of, all of what we did was for her. Like maybe, maybe she grappled with, with her actions. I don't know. I I have no idea. I can't really, can't really tell you why somebody would do that, but, but it happened. Um, so that's kind of the hardness of a heart is really to undo, um, destruction, like, you know, to just blow it up. And, uh, that's what happened that day. Um, and it's it's hard, it's hard to see that. It, um, anyhow, um, the second parable is about the rocky soil, that it fell on very shallow uh, ground. And I'm a Canadian, born and raised, and uh, we have what's called awesome, cool. We have uh, we have what is called the Great Canadian Shield, and it is uh, it's expansive. Um, it. Uh, it's huge. Um, anyhow, the, the Great Canadian Shield, I mean, it takes up most of uh, most of the country. I mean, a, a good eastern uh, portion of it. it. It goes from Hudson Bay down to Minnesota, from Minnesota clear across to Quebec. And um, basically, you have bedrock, you know, that goes thousands of feet down. And then you have just a little bit of soil and I tell you, in Canada, the Great Canadian Shield doesn't produce very good agriculture for for Canadians. Uh, we don't farm much there because it's a shallow soil. Um, I just want to tell you that <clears throat> the uh, the shallow soil it, um, is sort of just that nominal, um, superficial growth. It, it's not going to last very long. Um, here at my feet is um, humbly, I, I say, um, a plant from our house. Um, it's a cucumber plant, and uh, uh, it's dying. And um, we planted it actually three years ago. It's been in this state for most of those three years. Uh, we still water it. Um, but if you do look at the bottom... It's not dead yet. Um, there is a little bit of growth. And um, what happened was we, we planted, we had good intentions for it. Um, we had also planted tomatoes and the rats. Uh, we, we, have, uh, we have some rats in the backyard at night, and they had a, they had a Thanksgiving meal. Uh, they tore our, our tomatoes apart. So then uh, we were going to transplant it outside, and we just decided, no, I, I think we'll, uh, we'll keep it inside. It's getting cooler. We'll just plant in the spring. And like about two years after that, it's practically dying. So um, if there's anybody with a green thumb that maybe might do a better job of uh, being a steward and caretaker with this uh, plant, I humbly will let you take it home with you for free, please. Um, for for the love of God, people. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, that shallow soil is an emotional, superficial commitment. Um, this isn't fun to share. 
but, you know, I, I became a Christian when I was 17, almost 18 years old in my life. And um, my first two years were kind of in, in youth group at a church. And uh, of, of the hundreds of people in my youth group, I, I have a close friend and maybe like a few other people that I know that are still even walking with the Lord at all. Um, 25 years later. And um, that's sort of, I, I can't be the judge of where people have fallen away. Uh, but I know that of those that were sort of walking with him uh, are no longer. I know I struggle in my own life. I'm not saying it, I have a perfect walk with him. Um, but I'm just saying it, the shallow soil never leads to longevity. Um, this plant if it stays in just the pot, it will not have have a greater growth than this. Um, this needs uh, real soil, a change of environment. And that's what I'm really talking about is a change, change of environment um, for these soils. <clears throat> I love what uh, C.S. Lewis says about the world, um, because that's really the target next is the worldliness in our heart. And it says, if we find ourselves... This is one of my favorite quotes. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we're made for another world. And I'm just telling you, oh, if you're going to hear anything right now, this world has nothing for you. I, I love the people of this planet. I'm of it. You know, I'm in this world, but we are not to be of this world. Our jobs are great, you know, and working is, is wonderful. But don't ever expect the things of this world to deliver the goods. It will not. You know who is the only one that can deliver the goods, that can satisfy you, all of you, from, the, from your head to your heart and your top of the, the head to your toes? It's not your spouse. It's not your family. It's not how much money you got. It's nothing of those things. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Like um, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they had everything and it was good. They had, I don't know how many trees or, or uh, you know, the fruit that was in there. They had everything. It says it was good. There was just one tree that they thought, let's kind of, let's check that out. And, and uh, it was that dissatisfaction with what the Lord had given them. Don't be dissatisfied. It, 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 it doesn't work out well. <clears throat> um, I have a experience I want to share with you. And um, it really relates to just what can be in, in your heart. And uh, this was 22 years ago. This is my literal journal entry from that day. One day in May. And I was on a train. <clears throat> I'm just going to read a paragraph. Because that's all really I had in my heart to write. I was so angry. I was so mad. I was so upset. I was, I've never really been like this, but I was so in the flesh. Just, And I didn't mention in this, but I was angry at God. And I'm just going to read it. It says, the longest train ride in my life is in the process. It is now 10.35 p.m. And the train has been stalled, dead in its tracks since 6 p.m., Four and a half hours. We've been on the train since 9.30 a.m. 13 hours 
So we've been on the train for 13 hours. And I'm going mad, exclamation mark. I say to myself, I'm absolutely frustrated. We have not even reached Bhubaneswar yet, and it's the halfway point. So I'm on the train for 13 hours, and we're only halfway there. The train's been dead on the tracks for six hours, and uh, we ain't going anywhere. And I, I don't know, I'm in the flesh, and I'm just being transparent and real with you, and I'm angry at him. I don't know why, but I was. I, you know, maybe it's sleep deprivation, but um, I still can't excuse my flesh. But I was in it. I was in the flesh. But, you know, the flesh comes from the heart. It's, it's the throne upon which I sit. And I need, all of us need to, as Christians, to give the Lord that seat on the throne. And uh, so in the flesh, <clears throat> I share this journal entry because uh, really it showed my heart condition. It showed really where my heart was. But, you know, there's another end of the story. And I don't have time to read the journal entry. But the journal entry, God was doing something when he stopped that train. Have you ever had a paradigm shift where you see it one way? But then, you know, something changes that, that paradigm shift so you're able to see it in a whole new way, whole new light. In the ensuing hours, I went to bed and uh, three Hindu businessmen ended up in our, in our compartment. And you, you kind of rent, rent a, a, a portion of the train and you have beds, you have sinks, you have showers, you know, it, it's kind of like a, a live-in unit. Um, well, they had, there was space and they had bought a, a portion of that train car that we shared. For the better part of the second half of the trip, like, I'm not exaggerating. It was like six, six hour conversation. We're, we're, got, first we got to know them. Then they're asking, we, we shared we're Christians. Next thing you know, we're sharing in the gospel. And lo and behold, you know, just fast forward here, these Men say, like, we want, can, can we, like, can, you know, can God do this in our life? Yeah, yeah, that's why we're sharing it. Yes. And they want to become Christians. And it shocked me. Like, I mean, I've never, this is one of the best days of my life. I've never felt just so close to the Lord. Um, where I just felt his anointing upon me. In their own words, when we left, they said to me, they said it was almost like, like this God you're talking about stopped the train for us. And they made that that realization, that perception. And I tell you, I went from like the way my heart was in the flesh to seeing what God, I think, was actually doing. And, and, and I'm just trying to understanding, seeing, hearing two different things when you have a different worldview and a perception change, when when the, you've had a paradigm shift. I can't do that for you. Only God can do that for you. And, and that's really what I pray that he does. So um, just a real quick pop quiz. But is God good? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. He's good. If God were to even not be good one single time, he would cease to be God. You know why? Because it is so rooted in his character, his nature, his being, everything that he is, that for God to cease to be good 
is to cease to be God. And he has never ceased to be God. He's always working things out for the good of those who love him. Now, Jesus, is he good or is he bad? Thumbs up, thumbs down. He died for you. I don't know anybody to die for me but Jesus Christ and the American soldier. Um, But Jesus even said, in spite of our sin condition, I'm willing to go. So the problem's not God. Problem's not Jesus. The good news, um, you know, it's good news. It's an imperishable seed. The, the seed itself, it goes into the ground. It's the word of God. Is there anything wrong with the word of God? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up. It's good. Thumbs up. Okay, so um, <clears throat> we're going to get to the, the, the good soil. The good soil produces a hundredfold. Is that good? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. Okay, now what's the problem here? Why is there bad? Why is there no fruit? Why is there... Um, why are things not working? How did the wheels come off the bus, okay, and and were stalled, or the train for that matter, okay? Why are we stalled here in a stuck position? It has everything to do with me. It has everything to do with you. It has to do with our heart. It has to do with the soil. The problem isn't God. The problem isn't the sower. The problem isn't Jesus who lays down his life for you. The problem... um, It's not the seed. The problem is the heart. It produces bad results. Um, We need to to have the soil of his heart um, in us. So those are the elements. Um, I would like to uh, prepare you for this video. It's about a man named Mark Zook. And Mark Zook um, is from Pennsylvania, this, this video is from about 30 years ago. He went into a village, but before he went to a village, he actually, um, he, he was actually uh, turned down by almost every missions organization out there that he applied to. He got turned down. I, I don't know why, but they just said, sorry, Mark, you can't be a missionary uh, with us. Uh, he finally got accepted and, and uh, he went to the Mok uh, Mok people in Papua New Guinea, and uh, it was in Papua New Guinea. It was there. Um, it's about you know five to ten years where he started in the Book of Genesis with the Moke people as a missionary, and he taught progressively all the way through to the Gospels, so that they understood from the beginning to the Gospels, Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus, you know that he is behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Um, they taught just how this church does um, ex- exegetically that we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, word for word, um, through books. He, he taught through the Bible. Um, and they're now, um, the people that followed or sat under his teachings um, for five to ten years, um, I think it was uh, six years, um, they finally are ready to... to um, to really, uh, he's gonna he's gonna really uh, get to the heart of the cross, and and I I just want to show um, that hundredfold of uh, the harvest. <clears throat> Village believer stating that he too believes that Christ has paid for his sins. 
Eternal, which means it's true or it's good. It's very true. Village grammar, rejoicing that he believes, so does she. Different ones giving testimony as to their belief in Christ as their sin bearer. Mark saying that if you really are believing, then God's word says that their sin is forgiven. Itau, it's good, it's true. Spontaneous rejoicing breaks out. This went on for two and a half hours. Do you realize what he has done for you? Do you realize what he's done? Um, you know, the, what he has done. Um, some of the soil that, that, that was kind of in their hearts, um, there was like, it, there was human sacrifices in that village. You know, some of them had lost and surrendered their children to, to try to bridge that sin gap. You know, the gap that separated them from God. Some of those people had literally sacrificed their own children thinking that maybe it could get God on their side. And God's already done that for them. But, you know, these people came to realize the truth of his word. That's what can happen in the good soil. And uh, but, you know, there's there's a lot of work that involved with hard or softening your heart um, with with getting out of a shallow depth of soil. Um, I was in a youth group for two years and I had no idea who the Apostle Paul was. And he wrote a good portion of the New Testament. Um, I had no idea what being a spiritual leader was. Like a girl told me about being a spiritual leader. And and it was like, are you speaking algebra or gibberish? Like I had no idea that term, never heard it before. And I'm just saying that... um, I was rooted in shallow soil and I had to choose make, and I'm, I'm encouraging some of you, if you're in that environment, choose to retransplant out of that pot into, into his word. Like, you know, choose to go deeper. I tell you, like I didn't choose to stay in that state. I chose to, to, uh, I would just read his word and, and be in prayer for hours, just seeking his face because um, it was just so humbling. I was around people who who had a deeper faith, a deeper um, sense of who God was in, in Christ, and and it challenged me to to not like stay in this baby state, to move out of it. Uh, and and you know it's going to take maintenance too of the thorns and and the thistles and the weeds. Some of those weeds, they, they come into the mix of things from our former life, and we've got to weed them out. Um, we do have a new heart. It's not a heart of rock. It's a heart of flesh. And we've got to root those things out of our lives. Um, but then there's ongoing prog- progressive weeding. If you're, if you're a gardener, you know, just because you picked the weeds a couple months ago doesn't mean they're, they're not 
you know, going to germinate more in, in the future. Um, so just as we're kind of drawing a close, I want to make just some applications really quick. But there's a really good book I want to recommend, and I don't really recommend books very often, but I want to recommend this one. It's by Craig Groeschel. It's called The Christian Atheist. Sounds like a really weird title, but believe me, it's a really good book. It's called The Christian Atheist, and it's using those two terms because it's saying while you might be Christian, in some of the areas of your life and in your heart issues, um, you might live more like an atheist, like as someone that doesn't really believe in God. Um, And so this book really does a good job of of just helping you kind of get to the heart of the matter, those heart issues. It's really about believing in God, um, but not living or but living as though he doesn't. Um, and so I just challenge you like, you know, to maybe go to Amazon and, and give that book a read, you know, it covers really good subjects like forgiveness, prayer, um, study, like of his word of, I don't know, just a lot of areas that it, I guess what I like about it is it really helps you think maybe in a different paradigm than how you typically do on, on some of those topics like prayer. I mean, I've grown up praying uh, for quite a while, but it was quite a refresher. So just four quick things is that nothing I say say, say right now or in this past hour matters if we're not going to go out and be doers of the things we listen to. So, you know, I, I pray that we'll be obedient, um, that we'll obey when Scripture has said it, that we do it, um, that we're obeyers of this. Um, that we need to be be um, be engaged in people's lives, be engaged in 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 being a witness and a testimony to others. Um, that when the opportunities arise, the the harvest is ripe. So I don't have to pray about whether the opportunity is good. It probably is good. Um, and and maybe I look stupid, but I'd rather look stupid sh- having shared or tried to just say something that is honoring to the Lord in front of a lost person to just say, no, I think I got a sense that I'm not to talk to that person at all. And uh, so I'm just saying um, to just engage people, um, seek the opportunities. Maybe God, it's not the time, but uh, God's work in a life is a lot like golf. No one hits a hole in one. I bet you your own story and you might not even know the behind the scenes of how you came into the faith. You know, that so-and-so did such-and-such. And, you know, that this work in your life actually probably was the result of many people. Um, not just, you know, a hole-in-one on the first drive down the fairway. Um, it's a progressive work. And maybe that is the extent of your witness and your opportunity with others in sowing that seed. Maybe it's just a small word. Maybe it's just a small thought that you're able to communicate. I I say with, with people that don't know the Lord that um, it's just taking them progressively one step closer to the cross, to, to who he is, having that opportunity. Um, another application is listening appreciatively. Um, like Itao, you know, the gratitude in our hearts of what God has done don't ever forget it. This is a time of thanksgiving. And there's nothing that will awaken a hard heart more than gratitude, more than thanksgiving, being thankful that I have, see, I have eyes that can see. 
Some people don't have that ability. Some people, it's an impairment. Having ears to hear, we have that too to be thankful for. There's so much we can be thankful for. You know, with the cars that we have in our parking lot, if you own a car, that puts you already in the richest, uh, wealthiest category of people living on the planet today because uh, the majority, uh, many people um, do not even have so much as a car. Um, And so there's always just things to be uh, thankful for. Um, We're to listen dependently. I'm thankful that, I I mean, I've been in ministry for a while, and um, I'm thankful for the fact that, you know, I just have to do the simple small stuff of sowing seed or just, all God wants you to do today is that if he tells you, go through that door and it's clear that, that that's the objective of he, he, you know, highlights the door and that's the door, the opportunity to walk through. Success has nothing to do with what's on the other side. Christian success is obedience. Christian success is that when God really showed you what you are to do, it's whether you walk through the door and it doesn't matter what is the result. We're, we're so success-driven in our culture that we think, well, they never accepted the Lord or this or that never happened or, you know, it didn't work out the way I thought it would and, you know, those kind of issues. That's not the point. The The point in, in terms of biblical success is walking through the doors and opportunities that God puts before us and to just do it. And uh, we're to listen confidently. <clears throat> listen confidently. Um, there's a lot of confidence that we can have in his word of what he is doing. Um, we can listen confidently because we're uh, dependent in him. And just as I close, we can be confident because of um, his doing the work. It's not on my shoulders for the success of this sermon. Um, what he does in your life all I can do is study. All I can do is tell you what what um, what God's word says, and and it's really in His hands to bring about the increase. So I have confidence because His word doesn't return void. I have confidence that God will uh, do in people's life what He what He wills and wants to. And and uh, just like the sower, I love in uh, it's Mark chapter four in the parallel passage of. Mark chapter 4, verse 26, it says that the sower goes to bed after he sows the seed. And um, for me, there's just a lot of encouragement. There's a lot of encouragement for you that as you depend upon the Lord and, and it gets dark and it's time to go to bed, you don't have to worry about it as your head hits the pillow. Last night, I, I did... Uh, I I did leading up to this sermon everything I needed to do and I went to bed and I had a good night's sleep. I don't carry this on my shoulders. I allow him to carry it for me. It it's not about me. It I can't do anything. He brings about the the increase. So I, I love that about the sower that he goes to bed. He has a good night's sleep. And uh we don't have to carry the burden of of what's weighing on you. That weightiness of having lost family members and those sort of those sort of things that's not on you that's on him and go to him 
Go to him. Depend upon him. Be confident in him to do the work in that person that's on your prayer list or, or on that person that you're really... Uh, words can't describe what's on your heart of, of wanting God to work in that person's life and reach. Um, because only God can take those soils and, and transform it. Only God can take a hard heart and soften it. If, if Christ in, in us can take us as dead, once dead in our trespasses and sins, and make us alive in him, um, um, he, he can take a, a person's hard heart and soften it. He can take, uh, he can handle the, the weaknesses that we have, the frailties. He can handle the shallow soil. He can handle the thorns. He can handle the weeds. He can handle the junk in our life. I, thank you, I, I am so thankful that God is a God who loves you and me just as we are but he loves us too much to also keep us in that same way. He, he loves you just as you are, but he, he loves you too much to leave you that way in a deadened state. He wants to awaken us and, and to be used as a catalyst in the lives of others, to awaken us as a church and uh, to give us understanding and to give us hearing and to give us sight um, because it matters and I just want to close um, just by saying, you know, there was a man that I met in India 22 years ago um, that just has, um, it was one of those moments I'll never forget, but I went to him and I said to him, um, sir, um, has anybody ever told you about Jesus? And it was through an interpreter in Telugu. Um, and the, the man said, looking back at me, um, he said to me, um, back at me, sir, I know of no village by that name. He thought in his frame of reference that I was talking about a village and not a person. And it has forever changed me just looking into a lost man's eyes about the one thing that is probably the most important to me and him looking back, thinking I was talking about a village. He had yet heard who Jesus was. I was so taken back by even he had no frame of reference for Jesus at all. The name above every name. The name above every name. And he, he had never heard that name. And I just challenge you as people... It is not fair for us who are waiting for a second coming that there are some people who have never heard of his first. And there are some people that they might have heard his name and it's a swear word to them, but they haven't encountered the living Christ. And that's our job, is to be that Christ in their life, the hands and the feet. And I just challenge you with that. I challenge you with that. I was once one of those people. Um, I lost um, three of my best friends when I was 15 years old in a car accident. Eight lives were taken that night, all from my high school. Three of them were, were uh, very good friends of mine. One of them was my best friend. And I was supposed to be in that car, but I ended up 
running in a race that weekend. And uh, um, it has forever changed my life. But um, I I choose to live on their behalf. And um, I, I just... I just implore you, implore you, um, that the love of Christ compel you to be a light for others. And that's really where we're going to drop off this week, because next week we're going to talk about the light, that we're not to be a light that um, that we put a bushel over top of. And we, we're not to, to cover our light and not let it shine. Um, be that light. You have a great opportunity with Thanksgiving coming to be a light to, to our children, you know, to be a light to our relatives, to those that don't know him, to be a light to people, to show them that Thanksgiving is a lot more than just the food we have. But what are the spiritual blessings of being a person of the light, a person that can see and understand? Um, we're going to invite the, the band up um, to close and I just challenge us again. Um, nine of the most, or eight of the most beautiful words are, I once was blind, but now I see. Be seeing, be understanding, be perceiving um, as he takes care of how we listen and as he takes care of how uh, we're to be understanding. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.